Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dives, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, faithful? Al Sacco with you for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. As always, we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and 49erswebzone.com. And we have finally something tangible to react to as the 49ers had their first preseason game beating the Cowboys 24-21. to But overall, the game was uh, a little sloppy, which is to be expected for the first preseason game. But there's definitely still a lot to react to or overreact to because it's just preseason. But we'll take you through our thoughts about the game and also the signing of Alfred Morris, which kind of came out of left field to me. And what does that mean for the running backs? Are Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida more banged up than we thought? And are they in danger of missing week one? Or is Joe Williams just, is that experiment over? Are, are the Niners not happy with what they're seeing from him? So they brought in Morris to maybe take over for Williams. It's going to be really exciting to see. And, there's a lot to get into, and unfortunately, Zane is not going to be with us on the show. He's actually on vacation, um, so our buddy Peter Panacey is going to co-host with me. And Peter writes for the Web Zone, and he also writes for Niners Noise. And really excited to have him on and be able to talk about Niners with him. And also, I'm, I'm pumped to be able to talk to Brad Almquist, who's the new beat writer this year for CanBR. And it's going to be a good opportunity for the 49ers fans to really get to know Brad and what he's going to bring to the table this year. So let's do it. Here's Brad. One of our favorite parts of doing this show is getting to know so many of the people associated with 49ers in the NFL and whether it's players, media, front office, whatever. We hope that the interviews that we have really do help the fans feel like they know a little bit more about the people that we have on. And that's why I'm excited today to welcome someone who's a newer addition to the 49ers family is he'll be covering the team for KNBR this year. And his name is Brad Almquist. Brad, thanks for being here. Thanks, Al. Appreciate it. How's it going? Going great. It's going great. And before we talk Niners, um, I really wanted to hear sort of about how you got your your start in sports media and how you ended up with KNBR covering the Niners. Yeah, so I graduated from uh, University of Missouri last May, May 2017, and I covered Mizzou football there. So that was kind of my first exposure to uh, big time college of pro sports, I guess you could say. Um, Missouri football is kind of like the big beat in Columbia just because it's Columbia, Missouri it's in the middle of nowhere so that was cool to uh, kind of get acclimated to a competitive beat and then I had a postgraduate internship with the Boston Globe this past summer uh, I guess it would have been last summer and I ended up covering exclusively the Patriots kind of toward the end of my internship so the summer internship so I started covering the Patriots through training camp and then they extended my internship to cover them through, I believe it was week five or six of the regular season. So I was around them for about two or three months. And uh, yeah, so when I was working there, it was, was kind of like the, the third Patriots reporter for the, for the Boston Globe. And I was just kind of helping them out. And then if someone who I met on the beat there referred me to uh, KNBR because they, they told this person who I met on the beat about their job search for the position I have now. And then it just kind of went from there. I started talking to him. And then a few months later, uh, things kind of fell into place and uh, moved out here back in March, I believe, February, March. And uh, yeah, so I've been out here for about four or five months now. It's not supposed to be that easy, is it? <laughs> you know, you go to internship to the Patriots, right to the Niners. That's pretty good. Yeah, I got lucky for sure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a tough industry. And I mean, I definitely, after I was done with the Patriots, I mean, I had 
two or three months of just kind of looking around, hoping yeah. something came through. I sort of trusted that it would just because I thought that was a decent experience, but I knew uh, it's competitive and I'm and I'm pretty young and all that. So obviously very fortunate that it came through, especially a really cool beat and iconic franchise like the Niners growing up watching. I was like kind of a dream come true. Yeah, and you're working with some great people with, you know, Matt Mayoko and Matt Barrows and Cam Inman and all those guys. There's just so many good people to work with. It, it, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun for you for sure, and we're, we're glad to have you on. What, who did you, who did you grow up rooting for? Were you a big NFL fan growing up? What was your team? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the Bengals. <laughs> I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in Cincinnati, so that was, as you can imagine, pretty rough. Uh, didn't did not really see either the Bengals or the Reds ever advance in the playoffs in my lifetime, at least since I can remember. So, yeah, yeah like being around a winning organization is something new to me. <laughs> now, there's a lot of Niner stuff I wanted to get to, and I had all these questions lined up, and it kind of got thrown out of whack today because the Niners signed Alfred Morris. So yeah. wanted to start out with that. And, you know, with Breida and McKinnon banged up, guys like Joe Williams, Mostert, Jeremy McNichols, they're going to see a lot of work. And the name that stuck out to me of those guys was Williams because he was the guy that Niners drafted in the fourth round last year. And for whatever reason, whether it was injury related or, or not, they shut him down last season. And his NFL career pretty much hangs in the balance with how he does in this training camp. And his numbers weren't great in the first preseason game. He had 11 carries for 27 yards. And now right. they bring in Morris. How do, how do you see Williams? How has he done? And what do you think the addition of Morris is going to do to him in terms of making the team? Well, he's looked great throughout training camp. I think he's been one of the positive stories. And Shanahan has kind of urged him to, to get in shape and to kind of get his mind right because last year uh, there was a lot of problems with him. I mean, he fumbled too much. He came in camp overweight. Uh, his, his mental state wasn't right. I mean, I talked to him after last game, and he admitted all those things, which is kind of unique for a second-year player to be that forthright about all that and he said it's kind of do or die for me and you can see that in training camp I mean he's physical stuff he's off the charts when it comes to just hitting a hole and going like once he hits that hole he's not going to get caught and there were a few plays in training camp where he had a few breakaway long touchdown runs so all that was encouraging and obviously his first preseason game this year was not uh, I mean overwhelmingly great but it also I think the big thing with him is not making mistakes I think he needs to limit the fumbles, limit the mental errors. I think I think that's almost better than having an incredible game because Shanahan, I mean, Shanahan's the one who stuck his neck out for him last year. Everyone knows how talented mm-hmm. he is physically. But with the addition of Morris now, it's, it's interesting because he's kind of the exact opposite. He's this veteran. You know exactly what you're getting. He's a proven guy. Obviously, the best years of his career came with Shanahan. And even last year when he didn't, really have overwhelmingly good production. He still averaged 4.8 yards a carry. So, and, and he does kind of give them that bruising back that they don't have. I know Kyle doesn't really care about that as much. It's more just about out-scheming a defense. But I like it because it also does put pressure on Joe Williams. And I, not that he needs that, but I think that's just good to have someone kind of there poking him, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I was surprised to see that. But, yeah, I think, you know, now the competition is definitely ramped up with Morris there. One of the things I actually wanted to start off with was the play of C.J. Beathard. And look, we don't even want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo missing time because that would just be an absolute disaster. But if that did ever happen, you want your backup QB to come in and at least keep the team afloat. You know, if he's out for three games, you want to go two and one or one and one or whatever. And to me, I don't know. The offense still just looks really clunky with Beathard behind center. I thought it did for the most part last year other than the Giants game. And he didn't look that great to me in the preseason game. What, what, what's been your take on him throughout camp so far? Yeah, to me, it's, it's, it's like he's very hot or cold. Like sometimes 
he'll make he'll make a throw that'll kind of wow you. I mean, he'll he has really good zip on his ball, and it just kind of launches out of his hand, and and he'll make tough throws, and he'll hit the long ones. I think a lot of people think that he's a better long ball thrower than Garoppolo, which is kind of Garoppolo's one so-called weakness, even though it looks like he's improving pretty much every week uh, in training camp with that. But yeah, I, I mean, he showed toughness last year. I think that's why a lot of one over a lot of his teammates and a lot of people praised him for that. He hung in there amid all those injuries and, and all that. But I don't know if you're overly confident kind of giving him this offense if Garoppolo were to get hurt. I, I also don't know if you can say that about Nick Mullins, even though Nick Mullins had a much better uh, preseason debut this year than Beathard. And just looking at his numbers uh, and Mullins, especially that last drive, I think he had six straight completions to uh, win that game. But I, I I don't think that gap is too big where – Beathard's spot is, is kind of in jeopardy, but I also don't think you feel great about Beathard. I don't think he's one of the top tier backups by any means, but he's also only a second year guy. But I mean, last year's proof that a great backup can take you a long way with Nick Foles. So yeah, to me, it's like Beathard. He, he looks great sometimes, at other times he's throwing balls in the dirt. Uh, he he just he kind of locks in on one read. I think is another thing mm-hmm. I've seen, and yep. he doesn't really surveys progressions as well as Garoppolo and, and some of these other quarterbacks that are successful in the league. So I think he still has a long way to go, but I, I would say he still holds that number two spot pretty firmly unless he really implodes the rest of these preseason games and Mullins keeps doing what he's doing. One of the more exciting parts about the 2018 team to me is, is the amount of weapons that they have. And it looks like they're going to be able to add a couple of more young wide receivers to the mix and Dante Pettis and Richie James. And both of the guys look like they could play a role almost immediately. Uh, what were your thoughts on them in the first preseason game and, and obviously what you've seen so far? Yeah, I thought it kind of, I think it kind of encapsulated everything. I mean, Pettis doesn't have a catch, doesn't do much. He has that bad drop, but then he hits you with that big 53 yard completion where if it's put on the money and it's, and it's the right timing, I mean, that's probably a, that's probably a touchdown. And the cornerback, the cornerback sort of detached from him on that route to, to take care of the underneath route from what I remember. But, I mean, Pettis, like we've seen it all camp, he, he's so shifty. I think Garoppolo calls it he, – he, he has wiggle to his game. And, a lot, I mean, a lot of his old coaches and teammates said he has, say he has crazy legs. Like he, he has a weird way of, of running, but it's so effective. And, and it's thrown off a lot, of, a lot of cornerbacks in camp. And I think a lot of the people who – criticize the pick and criticize his prospects in the NFL is they, they cite as like the lack of physicality, but he, he doesn't even get touched at the line a lot of times. And that's not to say that he won't get jammed and he'll have some problems with that, but it's so impressive how quickly he gets off the line and how, how he just kind of eludes all, all type of context. So Pettis has been one of the big breakthroughs of camp. I, I think he's going to step in and, and do a lot of good things to this offense. I think he's going to play, pretty much every receiver position. I know he's lined, lined up more at the X spot and outside spot recently, but like today in camp, we saw him run a couple screens. We've seen him run reverses. I just think he's going to be kind of that do-it-all guy that you can stick all over the offense. And then Richie James, I mean, I mean, I think his preseason debut did all the talking. He's looked really good in camp. He kind of also has, has a unique way of getting open. I, he, he seems like he's very patient with his route running. Like it takes him a couple steps to kind of hit his move, but uh, if if the play calls for that, then it's really effective. And in that first drive, I mean, he had Garoppolo's first completion on a tough third third and eight, I believe it was. And then he had the last play regulation, the last catch, uh, that, that winning touchdown on Nick Mullins. So I really like Richie James, and he started the game, which was 
somewhat surprising to me just because he's fighting for a roster spot and he stepped right in for Trent Taylor and, and played really, really well. So I think those guys, it's funny what a, what a difference a year makes. Now they're all of a sudden deep at the at these dynamic positions. And I think those guys are a big reason why I think they'll both have good years. And obviously, Richie James still has to make the roster, but everything's looking good for him so far. He's got to make the roster at this point, right? Because I feel like if they try to get him on the practice squad, it's, it, he's going to get picked up by somebody. Yeah, that, that's what you'd think. And yeah, I mean, Aaron Burbridge, he, he, has, he has special team value, which is the tricky thing with like that wide receiver six spot and the running back number three spot. Because either, in my opinion, it's either you keep Mostert at the number three spot or Burbridge at the number six spot. But now that you have offered Morris in the mix and everything, it gets kind of interesting. But I think you got to put Richie James at the six spot after Trent Taylor. Uh, I think Kendrick Bourne still makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Me obviously too. Pettis. That is uh, Garson and Marquise Goodwin. But, yeah, I mean, he, he looks great. He looks like he's going to add another element to this offense. And at the very least, he's just someone that Shanahan can hold or put in there. And he, and he looks – and he knows everything. And, and he has good rapport with Garoppolo. So, yeah, I would be very surprised if he doesn't make the team. And the right guard spot is still a huge question mark. And I know Josh Garnett returned to practice. And he's in a competition right now with – Cooper and Mike Person as well. What's your prediction on, on how this plays out with the three guards? Yeah, that's the. I mean, that's the big one. That's the one Shanahan said at the beginning of camp. This is like the one open competition of camp aside from punter. And I, I mean, the right guard spot's so important this year, especially because McGlinchey you got him on on the right side too. And 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 he's I mean, he's kind of had an up and down camp. I don't think there are too many worries about him. But you you would like some stability on that right side and. With Garnett and Cooper's injuries, it's 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 kind of hard to predict right now. Mm-hmm. Garnett took third team reps today, and Cooper took second team reps. So I think they're just slowly working their way in. And and uh, Mike Person had the day off, and Eric Magnuson started. So it's it's between Person, Garnett, and Cooper. I think, and I think Garnett is probably the default pick just because he's been here a little bit. He's uh he's former first rounder. I mean he he has all the physical traits that that you'd want to see. He he was. Kind of an up and down rookie year, but I think for the most part he was decent. So I think that's probably the pick. But his whole knee injury situation was so odd because Shanahan made some sort of conflicting comments about it. I don't even think he knew what the nature of the injury was. So it's like, is that all physical? Is that is that an attitude thing? It's just kind of hard to predict. But I mean, Jonathan Cooper has starting experience. He started a lot of games for the Cowboys last year. So it, I don't think we'll really get a better feel for that until this next preseason game, assuming Garnett and Cooper both play. I, I would be very surprised if they did not. Um, but I, I guess you'd go Garnett as, as the default. I don't think anyone's really taken a clear hold of that race, though. Hmm. Now, moving over to the defense, one spot that I thought was kind of sneaky deep for this team was linebacker. You know, all yeah. of a sudden, it's almost a position that I think the team should be worried about. I mean, Foster's, Foster's a star when he's on the field, but he's going to miss those first two games. Right. Malcolm Smith is returning, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Fred Warner's banged up. Brock Coyle's banged up. You know, to- Toomer's there is sort of veteran depth, but all of a sudden this position looks like it could, we could have issues the first couple of games. So I guess with Malcolm Smith especially worries me because he's out all last year, and then this year he's got the hamstring. He's had all these injuries. Is this a position they should be worried about, or do you think that when week one comes it's going to sort of balance itself out? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think I think Warner's injury is minor. It's a chest contusion. They, I mean, that can mean a lot of different things, but it, it doesn't seem too major. It just seems like they've been 
Uh, they've just been cautious with it. Malcolm Smith is the one that's a little troubling. He, I mean, he, he didn't, he hasn't really done much. Like he wasn't active in OTAs and then here he is. He wasn't active for the first two or three days of camp and then he came back and then he got hurt again with, and the nature of the first injury was like a leg injury during, during training. So that's also kind of cryptic. And now he's, he hurt his hamstring, which, which can mean a lot of different things. Obviously Eric Armstead's hamstring injury isn't, isn't good. But I mean, Malcolm Smith is like they brought him in last year to be the, to be their Mike linebacker. He didn't play at all last year, and it's kind of getting getting to the point now where it's like this guy needs game reps, even though he has all that experience as a Super Bowl MVP. But at that middle linebacker spot, I think in your ideal world, Malcolm Smith starts there, plays well, and then you eventually hand the ropes to Fred Warner and let Warner and Foster be that one-two combo for the next however many years. But it was interesting yesterday. Uh, Robert Sala was asked about Malcolm Smith and. And, and he sort of like he continued to say, I'm not worried about Malcolm. This is no way a knock against him. But you do need those game reps. And I just I, I don't think anyone knows how much longer he's going to be out. He's there every day, but he's not practicing right now. Um, so I think it is starting to get a little worrisome. And Brock Coyle returned today. He he limped off on a play. I don't think it was major. But yeah, they're really banged up right now, and especially with Foster being out the first two weeks. It's like. Someone's got to step up. Elijah Lee doesn't have much experience at all. So you'd hope that Malcolm Smith gets healthy. Uh, but right now, that's I think that's decently worrisome just because we don't really know how how severe it is. And he just hasn't really gotten any snaps in the past year and a half or whatever it is now. The guy that I thought was really important to this defense, even though he's not going to be a starter, is, is Jimmy Ward. And I say that because when you get away from the starters, Tart and Colbert, there's really nobody behind those guys at safety at cornerback where I know Ward has worked most of the time. Shannon said that he hasn't really got many reps at safety, but at cornerback, you have Sherman and Witherspoon on the outside. Um, you figure Williams is going to be in the slot. DJ Reed's an up and coming guy, but if there's injuries, there's just so much youth. And I, I thought Ward was going to play such a big role this year as the utility guy. He did yeah. not look good in that first preseason game at all. And I know he missed some time early in camp. Do you think it's, it was just some rust or is there more there? It's tough. Yeah. I think there, there's probably some rust. Um, I mean, it's also like, I think with, with anyone, if you switch around your position enough, it's like hard to kind of get in a groove. I mean, I know he's taking a lot of corner reps, but that one play, that one touchdown he gave up was, was sort of odd because he was running alongside the guy the entire time and then turns his head and just kind of stops and, and Colbert didn't have time to get over and help over the top. So yeah, I mean, he's hugely important. I think with, I mean, any secondary is going to experience injuries. I think that's just inevitable. I mean, we're seeing that already, uh, Kwan Williams and, and Sherman. But Jimmy Ward's the highest paid guy in the defense this year. I mean, he's a really expensive insurance plan, and he needs to be better. I mean, I, I think throughout camp, uh, he, he's been pretty good. Uh, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, camp, everyone sort of looks pretty good, and it's just like until you, you play against other teams. But yeah, I mean, he's hugely important, and especially if I mean, everyone's banking on Akella Witherspoon making that jump in his second year, but he, he's kind of gotten beat a lot, a lot this camp. And again, it's camp, but I mean, Marquis Goodwin has beaten him a lot. I mean, today he beat him again and Garoppolo missed him on, on kind of a, a wheel route type type route. But I, and I'm not saying that Jimmy Ward would ever take Akella's spot or anything, but I think Jimmy Ward will see the field this upcoming season, whether that's at any of those cornerback or nickelback spots. I don't think he's been getting reps at safety. So he's, he's important. And, I think he's got to play better this this preseason to kind of give people uh, some assurance that he can step in and contribute and, and, and not give up those big plays if, if his number's called. 
before we let you go, Brad, I want to touch on the guy that everyone seems to be talking about, and that's seventh round pick, uh, rookie defensive end Julian Taylor. And a lot of people were surprised when he was sort of the next man up when Armstead went down. But then you see how he played in the game, and it's easy to see why Shanahan and the coaching staff are, are so impressed and excited about him. He looks like he's going to make this team for sure. Yeah. But could you see him unseating Armstead if Armstead is healthy? Totally. Yeah, I could. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, I think Armstead enters a pretty huge year in his in his career, anyways. And the fact that every every single day he misses, like Julian Taylor is getting that that much more opportunity. And and he didn't practice today because he came down with a stomach bug. But Julian Taylor's been been one of the positive breakthroughs of camp for sure. And I think everyone saw that in the first preseason game. And I mean, this this could end up being one of Lynch and Shanahan's. I don't know if you want to call it a defining pick, but it's like another testament to their late round. Uh, success. I mean, this guy played 15 college games, didn't pick up football until his high school senior year. So, I mean, this guy's ridiculously raw still. And Ansala still talks about that. Like he's got, he's got work to do on his hand placement and this and that. But I mean, he's so, he's so strong and physical and he gets really good leverage. And, and DeForest Buckner, Kobe Sko said he just bullies people, which I think, I mean, that's, that's pretty big compliment, I think for, for a rookie, especially a seventh rounder. And I I don't see why he why he couldn't be that starting big end spot because Eric Armstead has not really shown that he can stay on the field long enough. He has 11 career starts, and I don't really know anything he's doing so far that gives that gives fans a reason to believe that he will be on the field. And Shanahan said his injury is somewhat serious, so I think that's Julian Taylor's spot right now. Um, I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't make the team. I think he's all but a lock at this point, and I think uh, it'll kind of be an open competition once Armstead comes back and if Taylor keeps doing what he's doing in the rest of these preseason games he's going to continue to play a lot he played start to finish and that that really could be a starting spot I would not be surprised at this point Brad you're doing a great job covering this team so far and we're really looking forward to reading your work this season and make sure to follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Almquist 13 Brad thanks for the time buddy thanks a lot I appreciate you having me on thanks again to Brad Almquist for joining us I really think the 49er fans are going to like him this year. He, If you haven't checked out his stuff yet, you got to go ahead and do it. He's done some great articles, and he's going to be a really good addition to the 49ers family. I really like Brad a lot. He's a good guy. All right, lots to cover here. And like I said in the opening, unfortunately, Zane isn't with us. He's on vacation. But you know that the backup quarterbacks we have on the Web Zone podcast, they're the Nick Foles of podcasts. They come in and they do a great job. And I'm pumped today. The guy that we have on today, it's, it's Peter Panacee. And Peter writes for us, obviously, at 49ers Web Zone and Niners Noise, too. And Peter was one of those guys that, you know, you see him on Twitter and you read his stuff. And he was so good. We actually went out and asked him to write for us. Like, we went to him. We were like, Peter, you know, do you have any extra time? We don't want to take away from Niners Noise or whatever else you're doing. But can you come over and do some stuff for us? Because he was that good. Peter, we are pumped to have you on, buddy. Thanks for doing this with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to do it. Now, Peter, to, to let the fans know, you've been covering some training camps, and you're actually going to be doing some on-site game coverage today, this year, I should say. You're, you're going to be in the press box, locker room, and all that stuff, right? Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, go down to a few games a season, hopefully all the home ones. Um, be able to kind of do something I haven't actually done before, so um, be something new for me. But you know, at the same time, just trying to, to, to take in everything that you can see and relate it to uh, the readers out there give them an idea of what's going on and interpret it as best as possible so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a good year to that to do that definitely it's it's gonna be an exciting season and <laughs> the Niners are never boring and, and 
now with this Alfred Morris signing kind of came out of left field for me. And that's, that's what I wanted to lead off with. You know, there's all this stuff I want to talk about with the preseason game and everything they react to. And then, then this Morris signing comes and I had a couple initial thoughts with it. The first one was, I was kind of thinking, Whoa, you know, McKinnon's banged up. Breed is banged up and nothing looks long-term, but is there any chance they miss me week one? Maybe that's in the back of Shanahan's mind. And, and that's why he went out and got Morris. The other thing was, is that Joe Williams just maybe isn't cutting it. And everybody says he's doing well in camp. And, and Brad just told us that a little while ago that he looked good in camp, but he didn't play overly well in the preseason game. I think he had 11 carries and it was 27 yards that he had. You look at the other competition there and, and Raheem Mostert's a special teams guy. I still think he's got a really good shot to make the team, but he's really not somebody you want running the ball a lot. And Jeremy McNichols, I don't think, is someone that they really consider to be a back that, that they want to lean on. So Morris comes in here, and, and to me, Peter, it's one of two things. He's either sort of insurance if those guys aren't ready, or Williams is in jeopardy here. I mean, what, what's your take on this? Do you think Joe Williams needs to be worried? Well, I, I think he does, but I think that's the plan for Kyle Shanahan anyway. Um, I mean, you, you hear about what Shanahan had to say about uh, Joe Williams going into the season. You know, needed to have a sense of urgency. And, you know, I've always believed that coaches tend to like what they see in practice a lot more than necessarily game day. Game day is where it counts, but at least have their mind made up. However, it is possible that, you know, they say, well, all right, well, if Breed is out, McKinnon's not going to be seeing much time. Um, there's not really a lot of push anywhere else on the roster. Maybe that's the move to actually continue to light that proverbial fire under uh, Joe Williams throughout the rest of training camp. Like, look, you haven't solidified yourself on this roster at all, despite the fact that, um, you know, there's some guys who are injured and what have you. So um, at least you're accomplishing that if you're the 49ers bringing aboard Alfred Morris, especially a guy who's familiar with the system, who had exceptional success working under Shanahan his first two years. So uh, it's probably going to be a little bit of a fire lighter. But, you know, as far as Williams' chances of making the roster, I mean, it's still so up in the air, like you said, wasn't too impressive on game day last Thursday. So um, I think it's definitely insurance for 49ers, but as far as, as, it, as lighting the fire under Joe Williams, I think that's just as equally as important. And you look at what Morris did under Shanahan those first couple of years in the league when he was a rookie in 2012, he had six, 1,613 yards, 13 touchdowns and 4.8 yards per carry. Next season, 1275, seven touchdowns, 4.6. So he had some really good years with Shanahan. But then you looked at after Shanahan left and the rest of his career, he, he kind of started to tail off at 265 for 1,074, 4.1 yards per carry, 202 for 751, 3.7 yards per carry. And then he, he went from Washington to the Cowboys and he really hasn't played much the past couple of years. And last year, he, he, he did pretty well in a limited role, 115 carries, 547 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. So he's 29. He is getting up there. I don't know how long he has left. I don't really know how much he can contribute, but it's a nice signing. It's it's somebody who can come in there and maybe, yeah, if there's an injury for a game, give you 15 carries or come in and, and spell those two guys. So it, it's really intriguing. And, you know, like we said, it just brings up a lot of different things. And in that first preseason game, it's 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 tough to get on William exciting that the offensive line played particularly great, but you want him to go out there and you definitely want to see more than 27 yards. So Shanahan stuck his neck neck out for him last year, and you know he he jumped, he's pounding on the table that he wanted to draft Williams, and and Lynch hadn't even had him on his draft board, and he's got to do research. So we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I think his career hangs in the balance right now. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing goes. 
But looking at this preseason game, there was a lot to get to with this. And one of the things I've kind of been harping on, and uh, you can tell me I'm crazy or not, but CJ Beathard worries me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How, just watching him play, it just looks clunky. And if you watch the way he played last year, I mean, he was a rookie. Look, he's got a lot of growth to do, and he probably wasn't ready to play last year. But the games that he started, other than the Giants game, where he was fantastic. He just wasn't very good. And you look at his completion percentage, it was 55% in the five starts. You know, the Niners couldn't score. They scored one touchdown or less in four of the five starts. They scored in two of 10 drives as first starts, his first start, two of 14 as second, two of 14 as third. That Giants game, they scored on five of 10 drives and then two of 12 in his last, in his last start. So he didn't do much. He he looked clunky back there, and I thought the prison game was the same thing. Just nothing looks natural. Nothing looks fluid. Everything just looks difficult. And he's, you know, he's getting balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. And to me, like I said earlier, if the backup quarterback comes in, you don't expect to go. You know, if he's got to play a full season, you don't expect to go eleven and five or twelve and four with the backup QB. What you want out of a backup QB is if your starter goes down for a short period of time, that he can keep you afloat. And I just don't know if Patrick can do that. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things that I was noticing with all those bad passes and everything like that, generally speaking, when you have a quarterback who's throwing a lot of tip balls, what you're seeing is either you know it, the receiver's not get, getting open in time, which haven't hasn't been the problem throughout training camp. You've been hearing how great the route running's been, or it's timings off. And when the timings off from a quarterback, you know, you're allowing guys to get into the passing lanes, get their hands up. And so that was the thing that I noticed. It just seemed that, you know, the, the, the mental processing um, just hasn't been there. And, you know, it, again, coming from Iowa, Iowa didn't exactly have the most complex offense. So going from that to Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is the most, one of the most complex in the league, you can see how there's a huge, huge, huge learning curve there. Um, so, you know, depending on what happens, and it could be, that it's just merely kind of the, I won't say kicking the rust off, but okay, first first game of the, the preseason, a little bit of jitters here and there, and maybe all of a sudden, you know, when he gets his reps here uh, against Houston on Saturday, that that maybe changes. But it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, it has looked clunky. It has looked just a little awkward. Um, you would have liked to see a little bit more development. I mean, he had some, you know, better throws as, the, as his time under center went on, but nothing really stood out to me. And you know, you think about the injury bug and knock on wood, it doesn't happen. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, if he winds up getting hurt, you want a guy who can, like you said, just kind of keep you afloat going forward. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think he's firmly entrenched as a number two starter. But, you know, I think if uh, if he's not showing something by, you know, the end of this season, especially in practices where we're not going to see it, then yeah, I think the point are going to have to think twice about what they want to do long-term with him going forward. Yeah, and you mentioned the processing, and the game just looks a little fast to him right now. You know, everything just seems to be moving a little bit too fast. And, you know, again, I, I, you have to look at the offensive line with that sort of thing, too. And when I looked at, when I watched the first series with the O-line, it worried me a little bit. And watching that series, I saw Garoppolo come out, and he looked a little fired up. You know, a couple passes were high. But really, he still looked like Jimmy G. And and what I mean by that is he kind of carried that drive. If you look at that that drive with the starters, McKinnon couldn't get anything going. You know, they got in a couple third and longs because they couldn't run the ball. And Garoppolo kind of made a couple third down plays there. You know, he escapes the pocket, makes a crazy throw on on the third and long. Um, Mm -hmm. He he 
stays in the pocket with I, I think it, I think it was Lawrence bearing down on him. I'm not sure who it was, but the rush was coming right. down on him and he stays in the pocket and makes a throw. And again, it just kind of looks like sort of how it was last year. Jimmy G is so important to this team. It almost looks in a lot of ways like he is the whole team. And getting back to the offensive line, we don't know enough about these guys to me. So we know what Staley is, right? Mm-hmm. But other than Staley, do we know about any of these guys? I mean, Richburg, we, he was a big free agent signing and, and we like what he could bring to the offense, but we don't really know what he's going to do. And he's probably the next guy other than Staley that I'm most confident in. But other than that, the guard position, you know, Tomlinson at left guard, he played well towards the end of last season for sure. But at the beginning of last season, he really struggled. Now he was getting acclimated to the playbook, but we'll have to see how he does in year two. And the right guard, obviously, we don't, we don't know who that's going to be. And then McGlinchkey is going to struggle just as a rookie. He's going to have his ups and downs. Is there enough there with this offensive line? Are we being too optimistic or could there be issues there? Uh, there could be some real issues there. And, and, and part of the other thing that you mentioned, I mean, aside from, from Staley and Tomlinson to a degree, I mean, Tomlinson's a full year in basically, but uh, it's a lot of new faces. And offensive lines take a long time to gel. You know, you learn the strengths and weaknesses of the guy next to you. You know who to pick up. You know where to move in your in your in your bootlegs and and in your poles and everything like that. So it's you know that it could be that I'm hoping <laughs> that we're just seeing this unit gel and starting to kind of figure everything out. And especially when you're going up against uh, defensive linemen and and pet pass rushers and you know, run stuffers that you haven't gone against as a unit yet. That could be something that hopefully you know the 49ers kind of start to figure out as they go along. But at the same time, you know, the right guard position is a concern. Weston Richburg, Weston Richburg didn't play a lot um, last year with that concussion injury. And, yeah, I mean, Michael Lynch is going to have to figure out some things in pass protection that he just hasn't mastered yet. And that's, just, you know, it's understandable. He's a rookie. He's going to go through that. So, you know, I remember Steve Young saying this years ago that, you know, a bad offensive line can make a good quarterback look merely okay because all of a sudden he's not going to be able to do the things he normally does. Right. Right. And so I think kind of a, you know, a, a, not a worst case scenario, but certainly just on the negative side of things, you could possibly see that running game not really pick up. You could see Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, under pressure fairly more often than anybody would like to be comfortable with. So, you know, you're going up against Houston. Um, I haven't really kept too many tabs on, you know, J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney, or Whitney Merciless and you know, how healthy those guys are. But that'll be a good test to see, all right, you know, how's, how's that line in the trenches going to factor against one of the better uh, defensive front sevens that are in the NFL right now? Yeah, and it'll be a little scary if, if they don't gel quickly going, going to Minnesota for week one, for sure, with that, with that defensive yeah. line. So we'll see how it goes. Now, looking at the receivers, I think the top five are, are locks. I, you know, it's going to be Garcon. It's going to be Goodwin. It's going to be Taylor. Obviously, if he's healthy and can start the season, okay. It's going to be Kendrick Bourne. It'll be Dante Pettis. Those five guys are locks, but that sixth spot is one that was open, and you had Aaron Burbridge, uh, you had Eldrick Robinson, and Richie James. Now, Richie James gets to start in the slot at the preseason game, and he looked terrific. He had a great game, great game. I believe it was four catches, 46 yards. He had the touchdown. And to me, just him starting that game is Shanahan saying that he has a lot of faith in him. And I don't know that there's any way they can keep Richie James off this team. If they try to put him on the practice squad, they're going to lose him. And to me, he has to be, has to be that six receiver at this point because he has such a 
his ceiling is so much higher than a Burbridge or than an Elgic Robinson. Right. And the, and the good thing that, um, you know, that, that, that Richie James has going for him too, is he can double on special teams. And that was something that, that Aaron Burbridge was really holding on to as far as his value to this roster. Um, yeah, I, I don't see carrying seven wide receivers on the regular season roster. It could happen, but yeah, I mean, Richie James is one of those players and, and everybody's saying, Oh, he's short. You know, he's only a slot guy only. That doesn't matter to Kyle Shanahan. I mean, you look at Marquise Goodwin being on the outside and he's short, like what five, nine or something like that. So it's not necessarily about the height. Um, James has flashed the ability to get open. He's, he's shown the elusiveness, um, solid route running and, and coming up with big plays in key situations. I mean, a small sample size from just, you know, one preseason game, but yeah, it, it, he won't slip to the practice squad. Some team's going to go after him. And, uh, you know, as far as, 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 as depth, you know, you're looking at a guy who could fill in for someone who might get hurt, you know, and you saw, you know, uh, Pierre Garcon out for half the year. You see Trent Taylor with a back injury. Uh, Marquise Goodwin hurt at the very end of last year too. So about as good as an insurance policy as you can get. And another late round find. I mean, this has kind of been something the 49ers have shown the last uh, two years now is being able to grab guys late in the draft that are, you know, standouts that you're just like, my gosh, I wasn't expecting this guy to be a really big contributor. And he's been, which is exciting to see. So, so yeah, I, he's, he's making the, um, the sixth spot um, at that depth chart. Don't see any other reason why he wouldn't. Um, and I'd be excited to see what he's going to be able to do this season. He's, he's a player definitely to watch. What they've done late in the draft has been unbelievable to me. And last year, the detractors would say, well, these guys are playing because they don't have anybody else. And well, that was true last year, but they're still playing and they're expected to be big contributors on what's expected to be a playoff team. You get Adrian Colbert. He's your starting free safety, seventh round pick. George Kittle, fifth round pick, starting tight end. Trent Taylor, fifth round pick, starting slot receiver. I think DJ Jones is going to push Earl Mitchell this year. Mm-hmm. He was a sixth round pick. I, I, Jones is just so athletic and that defensive line is so deep. And then, like you said, this season, look at those two seventh round picks. Richie James looks like, to me, the favorite to win that six receiver spot. And then the guy everybody's talking about is Julian Taylor, who comes out of nowhere out of nowhere. I mean, Armstead, Armstead gets hurt and you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe Ronald Blair is going to step in or whatever they're going to do. And all of a sudden it's Taylor who was an afterthought to make the roster. Really? You know, he looked like a practice squad guy and now he steps in and, and again, he's to me, he's a lock to make the roster. There's no way he's not going to make it. And he can even beat out Eric Armstead. And it's, I, I'm not somebody who gets too wrapped up in training camp because Armstead's a good example. We heard for years, oh, you got to see Eric Armstead, what he's doing. He's throwing people around, this and that. And it, it's never translated to on the field. You know, Armstead has never really flashed. He doesn't really stick out. I, I think he's a decent player, but he hasn't really stuck out. And to me, Julian Taylor, and I know, I know it's just preseason, but he stuck out to me in this game. He had a sack. He had a tackle for loss. He had two QB hits. He, he's, he's to me, it's just his violent hands. He's, he's just really good. He just seems like a really already, I guess, polished at least more than I thought. So defensive lineman, what, what did you think of him? Were you, were you, were you shocked when you heard that he was going to take over for Armstead and, and did watching the game change your opinion on him at all? What was your take on him? Well, you know, what's pretty funny about that. I was, you know, kind of watching the lead up to the game itself and seeing or hearing how Tim Ryan, uh 49ers color commentator during the game was just hyping Julian Taylor so much. I'm like, okay, read between the lines. <laughs> yeah. What is exactly this right. So oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like, okay. And the fact that Julian Taylor played the entire game, I mean, he was in there late in the fourth quarter. 
um, which does a couple of things. One, um, it kind of tells you with what he's been able to do. The 49ers don't have any intention of trying to stash him on the practice squad. You don't want to feature a guy that you right. don't have any intent of yep. trying to trying to hold on to and keep. Um, two, they want to give him those extra reps to, you know, I mean, he's got some things he needs to work on. I mean, you heard Robert Sala talk about it, but, you know, give him those chances to every opportunity to essentially win, if not a starting job at that big end spot, um, at least a key piece of rotational depth, especially considering Eric Armstead's injury history and being out again. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that you kind of look at is a, especially on defense, is a guy who's going to be constantly around the ball. And that's what I saw out of him, just a guy that was involved in the action. You looked at where plays were happening, and he was there or he was about to be there. And so that's something that you just can't – I mean, it, it sounds kind of cliche, but really, like, you can't quantify it so much. But he was a factor on so many different snaps. And, uh, and yeah, just, just another example of a guy that you don't think is going to make the roster. I didn't, I didn't think he'd make the roster. I'd be like, okay, maybe a practice squad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I've been proven wrong and happily so. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do this upcoming weekend. Um, and seeing if he can continue that trend, I think he can. I just hope that he's somebody who can consistently get pressure on the quarterback because that's really what the team needs. And the defensive line has so much depth. You have Buckner, you have Thomas, you, you still have Armstead. Now you have Taylor, you have DJ Jones, we mentioned, and Sheldon Day, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. I thought he played great when the Niners picked him up from Jacksonville late last year. And again, he just looks good to me. He looks like he's going to be a really good rotational piece here. And all they need on the defensive line is that one guy to come off the edge, whether Atachu can do it, it maybe Marsh. They just, they just need that one guy to come off the edge. To me, I'm not really sold on either one of those guys. I still believe that's the missing piece. And I don't, I don't think they have it. I love the, the youth they have in the secondary. I think the safeties, Tart and Colbert are, are going to be stars if they can stay on the field. Linebackers, Brad and I talked about that we're, you know, it's a little bit worrisome because of the injuries. But when you look at Warner and Foster, if those guys are healthy and on the field, that's a good group. Defensive line is so, so deep to me, but can they get the pressure from the outside? And I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and the one thing, too, about an edge rusher, it's, it's the most important non quarterback position in the NFL right now. You know, it's, it's, it's a passing league. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to have a quarterback who can deliver the ball and you're trying to have a guy who can stop the quarterback from delivering the ball and the 49ers lack the latter. And, you know, there were some positives here and there about, you know, Cassius Marsh, Marsh, uh, Atachu. Um, but I, I think the 49ers tabled that need for a couple of reasons. Um, namely, especially heading into this season, understanding fully well that, you know, the 2019 NFL draft, stacked with pass rushers. I mean, you can grab a guy off Clemson's defensive line. Doesn't matter who, just grab a guy <laughs> and, and, and there's your solution. So um, I, I think that's kind of one of the, the things you can go at because, I mean, you look back at the free agency options that were available, there weren't really anything there. Um, both the two targets, um, you know, with uh, what's his name in Dallas. Um, Lawrence. Of course, yeah, yeah, Demarcus Lawrence getting franchise yep. tagged. Um, Ziggy Ansah getting franchise tagged. And of course, the NFL draft, trying to figure out some of the other needs the 49ers have, and just kind of passing on some okay pass rushers, sort of in the middle of round one and into round two. Um, so, what's that's that's probably going to do? It's going to create you know more pressure on DeForest Buckner to perform. 
hoping to get a little bit more out of Solomon Thomas. And I thought he looked pretty good before he got his concussion. He was, yeah, me too. He was, yeah, he looked solid. Um, and then hoping, of course, if you can get anything from some of the depth guys. But I mean, you look at the Los Angeles Rams, they've gotten by without an elite edge rusher because they have elite interior rushers. And you can make it work, but I think for the 49ers, it's going to be a bit of a hindrance this season. Um, and it's going to be, like you said, that missing piece, that part that they need to add between now and 2019. And, and they'll ride with what they've got in the meantime, but I think it's going to be a weakness. And it was a rough series for that first team D. And one of the reasons for that is was Jimmy Ward did not look good. And that, I, you know, I went to bat for Ward a lot because I, I even thought he could push Williams in the slot. And I know he's making 8.5 million and he's a utility player and you could make all the arguments for that, but he was still, he is still important to this team because anytime there's an injury, he's going to step in and Kyle Shannon said on the conference call that he hasn't gotten any reps at safety. But if one of those guys goes down, you have to think Ward might still be the first guy off the bench to, you know, replace a tar or replace a Colbert. He's so important just to be that piece to fit in wherever they may need him. And I wanted to see a good game on him and I want to see a good camp out of him. And, and right away out of camp, he's injured again. I think it was, it might've been his hamstring. And, and, and maybe it was that reason that he didn't play well because, you know, he was a little bit rusty or whatever. He goes out there, he gives up the touchdown and it's like, I don't know if he lost the ball in the sun or he just like, he just stopped running. And then there was another slant route where again, he just gets beat and, and you look at this guy and it's going to be the last year, his last year on the team, regardless, but you would hope in the last year of his deal that he comes out and has a strong season and now looking at him, it's it's like, can he bring this anything to this team? Is he going to be a liability? It's a little scary. Yeah, you know, and it, it, it's I read a read an article by Vincent Frank a while ago talking about you know cutting ties with Jimmy Ward now, and I'm like, wait, what? You know, with that money? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, right. you know, it's all fully guaranteed. Why would you do that? But he actually made an argument that made a lot of sense. It was like, well, you think about some of the value that might be had from some of the depth guys, you know, like, like you mentioned a Julian Taylor, a Richie James. I mean, they're probably going to make the roster, no problem, but that might put out, push out someone like a Tavares McFadden who you'd like to keep around, might be able to stash on the practice squad, but maybe not. So it would free up a roster spot. And it's not like the 49ers are, you know, salary cap hell right now. So they could afford the dead money. But the one thing that you do have to look at Jimmy Ward um, last year, statistically speaking, um, analytically speaking, he struggled at safety, which is interesting because that was his natural position in college. But, you know, the, the previous two years at cornerback, he actually played OK, different system, you know, different guys around him, of course. But so and, and, and the, look, you're, you're seeing it now. Depth is so important to any team's chances. And the fact Jimmy Ward can play all these positions is vital. But. When he comes out and gets burned in coverage on two targets, um, not a good look. The injury factor is there again. And, you know, you got to think about, I hate to use this comparison, but it's like, you know, what are we paying this guy money for? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things that if, if I'm the 49ers, you, you entertain the idea of at least freeing up that roster spot. But it's so hard because he does at least have the experience to, to play here and there. One of the things that I, I haven't looked up too much about training camp, I'm kind of curious to see how much press coverage uh, Niners defensive backs are, are, are doing during practices. I think it's been pretty limited. 
So I wonder if kind of getting more on that side of thing, being able to jam guys at the line of scrimmage, scrimmage play a little bit more physical is going to help. But of course, in that first game, it didn't look like that at all. Yeah, and you mentioned you know depth, and we're seeing it tested now with all these injuries. I mean, it was comical, wasn't it? It was comical, wasn't it, in the first oh. quarter? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean I mean, every play. <laughs> there, I mean, people were dropping like like flies. And originally with Breida, I, th- I thought Breida got kicked in the head originally. And I thought it was a concussion. It ends up being a shoulder. You know, Solomon Thomas gets a concussion. There's just so many injuries on this team. You just go on and on. Mc- McKinnon gets hurt in practice and and it doesn't look like that's going to be anything serious but and you mentioned the depth and while there is depth at position like positions like defensive line there's a lot a lot of spots on this roster where there's not depth and as the Niners kind of get into their second unit I thought you saw that and it's a little a little bit scary I mean they're pretty top heavy right now aren't they yeah and and especially too like in the secondary I mean you look at the guys behind the veterans and you know, you're throwing a Kella Witherspoon into the veterans because, oh yeah, he's got a year's experience. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you look behind that, and and that's why you know, that would be an argument in favor of keeping Ward. It's like, okay, well, he's been around the league a little bit. He knows what NFL receivers are like. Um, whereas you know, Tavarius Moore doesn't. Um, you know, Tavares McFadden doesn't. Um, you know, DJ Reed doesn't. Like those guys are young, and young cornerbacks, young safeties, more often than not, they struggle transitioning to the pros because now mm-hmm. you're going up against NFL caliber players daily. The routes are more complex. Guys are more physical. They're faster. They're stronger. They, 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 they got the hops. They, they do so much more better. And, uh, it's, it's so much tougher of an adjustment, you know, rare, the cornerbacks like Keller Witherspoon who come into the league, um, Marcus Peters, a number of years ago, same thing. Those are rare. Those are the exceptions. You can't yep. bank on that. So, you know, you see the depth getting tested. You see the youth getting tested, which is good. I mean, you want them to go through that. But at the same time, if you are forced to push a guy who's not quite ready for such a featured role, it's going to be problematic. And you're going to wind up that guy being dogged and targeted all throughout the season. And who knows what that does for him over the long run. So, you know, I think as far as as Jimmy Ward, maybe that's why you have to keep him around just so that he can kind of take the lumps. Hey, you know what? He's not part of our long-term plans. Some of the younger guys might not be ready to be pushed into a prominent role yet. We'll just have to ride this out and wait and see. And that's kind of the plan I'm, I'm guessing this year it would be. And even with, with Witherspoon, as is, is, is well as he played once he got on the field, he didn't dress for the first, what, however many games, six, yeah, seven games, games whatever, yeah. whatever it, it was. Yes. So, he, so he, it took time for him to develop. And even if fans are excited about guys like Moore and Reed and McFadden or whoever else, you do not want them on the field right away. You want them to sort of have some time to develop, maybe play limited snaps right away. If if those guys are on the field right away, it's 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 probably going to get ugly. And if the Niners don't have a pass rush on top of that, it, it's going to get uglier. So you need the Richard Shermans, you you need Witherspoon, you need Williams, and you need somebody like Jimmy Ward to be able to come in and, and hold down the fort for now because you you don't want those rookies in there right now. It it, it the depth is going to get tested. And look, this is only year two of the rebuild, right? we don't expect this team to be loaded in, in at every position and, you know, next man up guys are just stepping in. There's, there's going to be holes on this team, but like we said, the youth, we don't want them in there yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the, you know, it's a little different than like, let's say a quarterback where, you know, you throw a guy in too early and it could damage his career forever, but you can still see that, you know, if a guy has a reputation for getting burned early on as a quarterback, it's not necessarily his fault. Maybe the pass rush is terrible. Maybe, you know, safety help is terrible. Um, you know, that can, that, that can make a poor career out of, out of some really highly touted, um, 
defensive backs. So yeah, the maturation process is important. Putting them in in the right situation at the right time equally important. And uh, and that would be the smart way to bring things along. So yeah, thinking about it, this is another reason why you know moving on from Jimmy Ward. Despite the cost, forget all that for a second. Despite the roster spot, that's why it's probably important not to push those guys too quickly. Looking forward to this game against the Texans, is there anything you want to see, whether it's a team thing, an individual thing, any players you're looking at? Well, you know, I touched on it a little bit earlier. The offensive line is going to be something for me, and not just with the starters either, because, I mean, obviously we're, we're curious to see how the first team units go up against each other how they handle some of the guys within uh, Houston's front seven. But depth is going to be equally as interesting and questionable. You know, it's like the secondary. Um, depth along the Niners' offensive line, the only you know, real veterans that you have there who have been around for a while, Mike Person and uh, Gary Gilliam. Of course, Gilliam's out now with a concussion. And, you know, Mike Person played well for Indy last year. He's worked under Kyle Shanahan, can play a variety of positions. Um you know, you still don't know what's going to happen at right guard, but trying to see some of those uh, depth options. A guy like Eric Magnuson, for example, um, Daryl Williams Jr., if he winds up having a shot at this roster, um, that's going to be something I pay attention to. Curious to see. Um, you know, you probably won't see DeAndre Hopkins too much, but, you know, if he goes out there and uh, has a few series, that sort of thing. And I think also, and I, I don't know how much you'll see, but, Going up against a mobile quarterback this time, um, you know, Dak Prescott had a had a nice scramble for a first down on mm-hmm. third and nine. So you're going to get a little bit more of that if uh, if Dak Prescott or um, Sean Watson's out and, and running a little bit. I don't imagine the Texans are going to press him too hard after his uh, knee injury last year, but you know that'll be a good test. You know, you're, you, you, it's 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 another dimension that you know a, a, a fairly young up and coming. Uh, front seven defense is going to be challenged with. So those are going to be some matchups that I'm going to be paying particular attention to uh, this Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I, I want to see the first team defense have a better showing. Because like I said, I, I don't think they look very good in that first series against Dallas. Well, other than DeForest Buckner, who looked fantastic. I, and, and Ruben Foster made some plays and he will make plays. But the rest of them, you know, didn't look too great to me. The other thing I want to see is rhythm on offense. Just kind of get a few things going, sustain a drive or two. And again, I'm not worried about Garoppolo. I, I can't put it too much stock on anything Garoppolo does in the preseason. I think he's going to be fine. But a little bit more off, a little bit more rhythm with Beathard, a little better performance from the offensive line. Definitely want to see how that goes. And I, I'm curious too, sort of what the approach is going to be at tight end with Kittle out, because you know Kittle's obviously going to be the main guy this year. But do they rely on Selleck, or is, is Cole Hikatini going to get some more reps in the passing game? That's going to be fun to watch too. So. What do you what do you think about tight end? Do you do you, do you like Hikatini to sort of make make an impact this year, or do you feel like yeah, he's still I, think, on the roster? I think so. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be your number three tight end. I mean, he doesn't do too much for you in the blocking scheme of things. No, wouldn't be no. wouldn't be the first tight end to struggle with uh, with run blocking and pass protection. Who turns that on as he as he develops? But um, you know what's going to be good about this is he's going to see a huge increase in snaps. And he was already, you know, pretty, I wouldn't say locked in, but pretty strong as far as that number three tight end spot was concerned. And you know, the guy is probably the best mismatch pass catcher out of the three. It's just he's such a liability in 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 blocking that you know that <laughs> he has to be, you know, a route runner instead of a blocker. So that limits what you're gonna do with him. But I think now you're gonna see him quite a bit because the other tight ends behind him 
you know, Ross Dwelly, Cole Wicks out, but you know, there's not a lot there to jump up and down and make you think that, okay, one of those guys could overtake Hikatini on the depth chart. I don't see it happening. So you're going to see a lot of him. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, especially considering some of the, the red zone woes from a year ago, maybe Hikatini winds up being in some packages there, but, but yeah, I think he's got that locked down. And, and of course, you know, Garrett Selk does a lot of little things well. And so he has definite value on this team. And especially with, uh, with George Kittle out, um, you're going to see those two guys kind of, you know, filling different roles, which is good. That challenges depth. So that'll be fun to watch. Peter, you killed it today, buddy. Why don't you tell the fans where they can find you? Well, let's see. Gosh, now, <laughs> well, you can still always find me over at 49er webs, 49ers web zone, um, doing some of the game day and camp coverages. Um, most of the stuff, of course, over at, uh, NinerNoise.com, the side expert there, having a lot of fun as always. This is my third year doing that there. And then um, just want some general NFL content, head over to uh, NFLanalysis.net, doing some stuff over there as well, league-wide. And, of course, just a follow on Twitter, Peter Panacey. That's, uh, that's my name, exactly how it sounds. And uh, I try to be as entertaining and as uh, insightful as possible and usually fail at doing that. So. <laughs> And Peter's really interactive, like a lot of us are over at the ones at the web zone. So and you can follow me too, as always, at LSACO49. And this was a lot of fun. I cannot wait to react to next week's game. And Zane will be back for the next show as well. So as always, faithful, thank you very much. This is Al Sacco for Peter Panacey. Thank you. <laughs>